praise. I all my days could gladly spend. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, in the text, our Lord's in the lead. He's on the road, not to the final four, but the road headed for Jerusalem. The vibes that he's giving off are scaring the daylights out of his followers. Others are amazed, and everyone hanging around Jesus senses that something dire is about to happen. So Jesus takes the 12 aside, and for the third time, yes, for the third time, he tells them what he's up to. He's on his way to that dreadful exodus spoken of by Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. And this third sermon about his suffering, death, and resurrection is the most vivid. Jesus says, look, we're going up to Jerusalem. And what will happen? Jesus explains, the Son of Man will be delivered up to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles. And there's more. Jesus continues, they will mock him they will spit on him and scourge him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Of course it is. Jesus pulls no punches. And yet, oh my goodness, yet, James and John, they want to put as much distance as they can between themselves and what Jesus has just preached. After hearing his third passion, death and resurrection sermon, James and John make the most bizarre request. Jesus, let's not talk about all this negative stuff. How about being positive for a change? Like glory. Oh yes, glory. When all this bad stuff is over, put one of us on your right and one of us on your left. James and John don't get it. All right, sons of Zebedee, Jesus says, are you able to drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I will be baptized with? And incredibly, the two say, yeah, sure, Jesus, no problem. And no doubt, Jesus lets out a long, resigned breath and says, okay, that's exactly what you're going to get. I'm into suffering, death, and resurrection. That's my MO, nothing else. But this business of who gets what seats is not my job. Well, in the text, we hear that the other 10 apostles have been listening, and they're no better than Zebedee's sons, and they feel, they feel left out, as if they've missed out on positions of power and glory in the Lord's kingdom. James and John, it appears that they will be the CEOs of Kingdom of God, Inc., and that the other 10, they'll just simply be the gophers. And so the ten are indignant or angry with James and John for trying to bring prestige and primacy to themselves and leaving the other ten out. Jesus ignores all this foolishness and he presses on to the main subject, the only subject. Boys, he says, it's time to forget all this nonsense about having seats and positions of power. I haven't called you for that. If any of you wants to be great, Jesus says, you'll have to be servant of all. If any one of you wants to be first, you'll have to be slave of all. Why? Jesus says, I'll tell you why. It's because I, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. 
That's what Jesus is all about. Service, capital S, service, a divine service, offering his body as the only atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world, for yours, for mine, and for these foolish 12 apostles. This is so incredible that it bears repeating. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many on that Friday we all call good. Now, would you try to stop him from that? Would you try to sprint ahead of him in order to put up a stop sign, a detour sign, or a roadblock on the road to Jerusalem? Jesus won't let you. Nothing will stop him. Not even the power and glory moves by the twelve. He's going to Jerusalem, and he's bullish on being the Savior and doing that Savioring job. Now, you can choose not to understand what he preaches. You can even choose not to believe in this Jesus who resolutely sets his face to Jerusalem to do a Good Friday. And if that's the case, if you choose that, then you only have yourself to blame at, for your final hellish destination of damnation. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus did and went a Good Friday Jerusalem death on the cross. For you and for your salvation, as the suffering, the suffering servant, Jesus drank the cup of God's bitter wrath against all our sin on the cross. Jesus was baptized into the agonizing death that all our sin earned. Yes, suffering servant Jesus is the great high priest, as we heard from the epistle reading in Hebrews who offers his body as the sacrificial lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And so because of our Lord's service, you are ransomed, you are bought with a price by the holy and precious blood that he shed for you on the cross. So every sin of yours has been answered for. Yes, even those sins that you've committed, like James and John, in kicking in the teeth of anyone who stands in the way of your being great and being first. Death is defeated, Satan and hell conquered. And our Lord's promise that he made to Israel through Jeremiah in the Old Testament reading and to you is so incredible. I will remember your sins no more. And so today Jesus continues to come and be of service to us, not to be served by you, he comes to serve. Jesus rolls up his sleeves and shows you his wounds. He gives you a seat at his table. And as high priest, host, butler, and food, the Lord Jesus gives you his body and blood for you to eat and drink with the bread and wine. This cup is the New Testament. It's what Jeremiah prophesied. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So because of Jesus, you are forgiven, ransomed, redeemed, saved. He is your greatness. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus is your greatness. Jesus is your glory. And he is your servant, suffering, crucified, and risen Savior. His Good Friday salvific service of winning forgiveness for you and his service of the Lord's Supper, giving that forgiveness with his body and blood, 
bears much fruit in our lives. Where? Well, in our families, in our community, this congregation, and the world in which we live. What I'm saying to you is this, is that now your life looks like whose? Christ's. You are to be like Christ in the world. In what way? Well, you live not to, <laughs> to be served, but to serve. To live your faithful, F-U-L-L, faithful life in sacrificial service to other people. By honoring authority, parental, civil, and churchly, by protecting life, by leading a sexually pure and decent life in what you say and do, by loving and honoring your spouse, by improving and protecting your neighbor's possessions and income, by defending people's reputations, by explaining everything in the kindest way, and being content with what God has given you. Remember how Jesus said it, whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. That's a Christ-like life, living for others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.